What is up, people? Jean Carlos here with the Total Body Training Podcast, where I help people get lean, gain muscle, and build confidence. And today we have a really special guest. This is my friend, Lena Reed. Everybody say Hi. hey. <laughs> <laughs> and Lena is one of the best yoga instructors I have ever met in my entire life. What? Yes, that is true, Lena. I'm not just saying that. Not Say it just, again. Say it again. You're one of the best yoga instructors I've ever had in my entire life, Lena. That's <laughs> a special get a little moment for there. me. <laughs> and the reason I had you on the podcast is because I think you offer something really unique and special in the way that you train people. As a trainer, I feel that you are very effective at helping people build up and become the best yogi version of themselves. So the skills that you are teaching people each time that you come into class seem to me as though they are a progression. You Mm -hmm. come into one class and you're like, okay, like I learned this skill. And then the next time you come in, you learn another skill. Mm -hmm. And it's always kind of like something that you're building up to. It feels like you're going up a ladder rather than you just kind of doing yoga, right? right? So there's some kind of like structure and rhyme or reason. And Mm -hmm. that is something that actually, folks, if you're a person here at Total Body Training, and this is true, Lena, actually influences the way that I teach. I don't think I've ever told Mm -mm. you, but it's influenced the way that I structure my teaching here. Yeah, that's 100% true. Yeah, yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah, because I never thought about it that yeah. way. And so, yeah, so I'm really excited to share you uh, with my community here. <laughs> now, uh, before we get started, everyone, uh, today's episode is brought to you by Carbs. Lena, what's your favorite carb? <laughs> <laughs> I've been, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> uh, sweet potatoes, by far my favorite. Okay, all right. And my mom used to make them every Sunday. All right. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't get sick of them because she would make them literally every Sunday. She would put them in the oven before we went to church and then they'd be done when we got home from church and we would eat sweet potatoes. So the whole, did you have the whole sweet potato? Like the whole sweet potato. Okay. Like the whole thing. So even now, like I will just roast them in the oven for like two hours or an hour as long as I need and then just like slather them in ridiculous amounts of butter. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Grass fed. Uh, organic um, yes some ghee and um and like herbamere from whole foods which is my favorite what's that it's like a herbed sea salt essentially okay, okay. with like a bunch of herbs it's amazing and then uh, a little bit of black pepper ground pep- black pepper mm-hmm. and then maybe cinnamon damn you're making me hungry like late. i was not hungry every day like <laughs> all the time hands down like yeah. mini thanksgiving whenever you want in your oven that is awesome it Thank sounds you. so good. I think that uh, do you do you people get sponsors? Can you have know. a sponsor? I don't know, person? but could is could Sweet Potato sponsor me? That's what I was thinking. I was thinking <laughs> Sweet Potato brands out there. And this Hi. butter brand, you gave them a really good. I'd never heard of them, but now I'm like, because I know what a sweet potato is, but this butter seasoned Yo, butter, so, the herbamere, the see the this um, the herb sea salt from Whole Foods, it's amazing. Change you know, your life. I, yeah, it will cha- I will change your life and Herbamare will change your life. Although I don't know if it's Herbamare. It might be Herbamare. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> but I've only ever said Herbamare. You might be dropping so. your chances here of being uh, sponsored by Herbamarva or whatever. <laughs> Marva. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, moving on. All right, so Lena, you have had a pretty interesting life. <laughs> Not only are you a really good instructor, which is why I have you here. But, you know, it comes to find out and that you have had quite an adventure at all points <laughs> in your life, it seems like. I do my like. best. Yeah. And so we're going to kind of dive into that if you're cool. interested in that. Sure. And really, the starting point that I kind of want to start with is 
when did you get into yoga? Oh, man. Okay, so get this. I'm 18, and people always ask me, were you a gymnast? Were you a dancer? I have this crazy foot point. I don't know where it came from. Um, My teacher once told me that the arches in your body mimic each other. And I'm very bendy in my back. And so, like, I have these feet that are just, like, they're dancer feet. Anyway, long story short, the answer is no. Like, I have no athletic background. I was never a runner. I never did sports um, ever. And um, what I did instead is, like, as soon as I could, I started working to save money to travel. So, like, that was my, like, the what I did. And so, um, wait, what was the original question? No. <laughs> oh, how did I get into yoga? Okay. yoga? Was so it on I your I don't travel? remember why. No. Okay, okay. I don't remember why, but I was 18, and I, like, <laughs> I kept hearing about yoga. I, was in, I lived in Chicago at the time. Yeah. And I went to the community center because one, I was poor. Um, And I was like transitioning from graduating high school to getting a full-time job. And um, I went into this community center with a whole bunch of really old ladies, like 50s, 60s, like probably upper 60s, maybe some 70s. And like, I'm super gangly. I have no body awareness, like no proprioception. I have no idea where my limbs are in space. And I would go to these classes and they could kill it like half moon pose. Like they could just kill it. You know, they had their blocks and it was like this older teacher. And so I'm just like, I have no idea what's going on. Like none. Like I'm like a baby deer. That's like, mm-hmm. and they would always be like, we would like kill for your body. You know, like 18. And I'd be like, I just want to balance and half moon. <laughs> so yes, but I was only there for a couple months and then I got a full-time job. Mm. So um, then I couldn't do it. I was in college, uh, night school, so I would work all day and then go go to school at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that ended like my introduction to yoga. And then I didn't revisit it until I moved to Mexico. So I actually won't well, um, drop the the ball here. No, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say like a drum roll, drum roll. I dropped out of college. Um, to go, yes, thank you, <laughs> to, um, to learn Spanish. So I moved to Mexico when I was, thank you, when I was 20. Um, and, um, and then I met this guy, and he was a yoga teacher in Mexico City. So that was like my reintroduction into the yoga world. Uh, I got a lot of <laughs> privates <laughs> for free. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Any young person looking to do yoga, date a yoga teacher, and you'll there you will you get go. yoga for free um, or friend one, you know, you don't have to need them. Yeah. Um, so that was like my re-exposure. And just along those lines, I mean, it is hard in America for a yoga teacher to make a living in particular. But yes, I mean, I, he, he would be on a bus in Mexico City traffic for an hour to teach an hour class, make 20 bucks, no bonus pay per student, nothing like a flat rate of like 20 bucks. And um, and then have to take an hour bus home. So like just mad respect to like every yoga teacher out there that is being a yoga teacher full time, it's not easy. It's hard. And, um, especially if you're living outside of the U S mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so, so wait, let's back up a little bit. How did you end up in Mexico and why? So I wanted to learn Spanish. So this is actually kind of a funny story and I'll try to keep it short, but I was in a summer class. It was speech class okay. and, um, and there was three girls and they were all white girls and they could all speak Spanish. Now at the time, I know that they didn't speak it very well, but I didn't speak it. So like any, you know, I was like, oh, they're so amazing. And, um, one had come back from co- an, an exchange program in Colombia mm-hmm. and one had come back from an exchange program in um, Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. And then one was just this white chick that loved Latin guys. <laughs> like, so like we all like got together yeah. and like, that was like my first time um, going to like the Latin clubs with like reggaeton. Yeah. I learned, that's how I learned how to yeah, dance. Yeah. That's my people. Yes. Yes. So 
And the first time that I went, I met a guy, classic. Yeah. This is going to come up uh, a lot. He was like the tallest guy in the club. He couldn't dance. We're still friends. His name is Mario. And um, the second time I went, I met a guy that I dated. And um, we dated for a while. And like he taught me pretty much everything I know about Latin dancing up to, up to that point, although I have learned much more since. And... Um, and they're both Mexican. And so anyway, like that kind of like sparked my like white girl love of Mexicans. <laughs> um, and anyway, I made a plan with the girls, the Costa Rican girl um, that had come back from Costa Rica in the exchange program and the girl that had come back from Colombia yeah. in the exchange program. And um, we're like, we're going to move to Colombia. And um, and then, of course, when it comes to travel, as probably many of you know, nobody actually does what they say they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So um, they both bailed. And I was like, but I'm like saving all my money. And like, this is like my plan. So I was crying. And I actually called Mario, which was the guy that I met mm-hmm. the first time that I went to that club. And he was from this small town in Mexico called Cholula. And it's outside of the city of Puebla, which is in the state of Puebla, which is like probably about an hour and a half from Mexico City. And, um, and he's like, you should just go to Cholula. There's a lot of white people there because there's a university there. It's called Udla, which is, um, I don't know how to... I only know the name in Spanish, which I won't go into, but it's anyway, it's Udla. And, um, and so I was like, okay, <laughs> so I moved there. Um, I bought a ticket and I moved there, I dropped out of school and I just wanted to learn Spanish. So Damn. I moved there. And what were you going to school for at the time? Photography. Photography. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I moved there and like, I didn't know anyone. He was still living in the States. So I had to like figure out how to find a place to live without 18? speaking the language. No, I was 20. You were 20. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I started backpacking when I was, um, 15 and then I had gone, um, I wanted to backtracking. I wanted to hike the great wall of China before I turned 18. So I spent the summer. I was 17 backpacking, um, in Southeast Did Asia. Did you do that solo? Asia, not Southeast Asia, Asia. Did you do that with, I went with a boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he wasn't, this is a he theme. wasn't Latin. He wasn't Latin. Is he he was a white boy. No, <laughs> but that would have been helpful. A, yeah, that would have been helpful. My to sister find was it. living in Korea at the time. So okay. I stopped in Korea to visit yeah. her. Um, and then went over to, um, to China yeah. to do the Great Wall. Man, I have been wanting to go there for forever. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it blew my mind. It was like the ultimate culture shock because I had already been to Europe. I went to Europe when I was 15 and then I went again when I was 18. But when I was like the first time, like just those big character, like neon signs, yeah. like it was amazing. Yeah. Well, also but, like, I mean, I would think that most people don't speak English when you go somewhere like China, right? So it's harder to I find I mean, people. actually a lot of people in Asia oh, speak really? English. Like okay. a lot, but and a lot because of the tourist, oh, you know, okay. Yeah, okay, and yeah. because of the um, the like the Chinese American trade. I mean, if you get outside the big cities, you're gonna yeah. have more more trouble finding people. Yeah, of course. But, yeah. yeah, and that's, that's really yeah. Cool. Anyway, long story short, I decided I wanted to learn Spanish, and I was ready for another adventure. In fact, I wasn't planning on staying in Mexico. I was planning on like backpacking through Central and South America, which I didn't do. I fell in love with Mexico, like fell in love. What did you learn during that time about? about how, I, know, I know i know that's a very broad question how like, hard it is to be a foreigner that doesn't speak the language in a new country yeah and like how to make yeah. your way so i have so much i think actually with my students that are new to yoga which um i don't get a lot of um but when i do like i i know how much it takes for a person to walk into a studio because it's the same thing they don't speak the dialect or like with you, the people that you training yes, like they don't yeah. speak i don't know anything about deadlifting or like kettlebells or like whatever that terminology is. So it's like, it is like walking into a foreign country and not knowing the language Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's freaking scary. Like it's so scary. And I think I went through, um, like the first real depression of my life. Cause I'm such a, I'm a talker. 
Couldn't tell. You couldn't tell, right? <laughs> you couldn't tell, right? Um, yeah, no, I'm a talker. And so, like, I, cu- I couldn't use words anymore. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how to express myself. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to get around on these buses because I don't know what these numbers mean. And there's no bus thing at the stop sign. Like, you don't even know where the bus stops are. So, um, yeah, it was just in, in general, like, just I still don't know. I look back and I'm like, how did I? How did yeah. I like, how did I do that? So what did that teach you? I think, <clears throat> I think like, like feeling, feeling like you couldn't communicate, you know, going through that kind of depression, you know, what did that teach you? Man, it taught me a lot of stuff that I wish I would have been able to hold on to longer in life, because I think it's those fundamental things that we're constantly learning, like to stand in our power that we're more capable than we think that we are, that we have yeah. so much, um, ability to express ourselves beyond spoken word and i mean so the way that a smile like what that can communicate to someone Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that sounds Mm -hmm. super cliche but i mean really like you can if somebody walks by you and they're in a really good mood you can freaking feel it yeah it just changes and when that person walks into your class and they're in a good mood it's just like whoa or the teacher or vice versa So, um, I think I learned a lot of lessons that then I forgot, um, which is like, you have the power, like you have the power to make anything possible. Like you can move to a country, not know anyone. You can change your body by training. You can do whatever you want. Like every limitation that you have that you're seeing in front of you is self-imposed. Yes. Literally, literally, especially in America where... There are so many programs for for people like th- so many things are accessible for people um, that might not be accessible. I mean, you can get free. You can go to the library and get free knowledge for free, yeah, you know, literally really, for free. Uh, people, people forget that. People yeah. forget that we have a tremendous amount of opportunity to grow mm-hmm. and people get really defeatist mm-hmm. and you know, it can be really damaging to think like, oh, like life is just like this and like mm-hmm. I can't grow or develop and so many people yeah. fall into that yeah. like range, you know, but it yeah. sounds like this, what it did for you is it kind of taught you that you can do more, yeah. right? That you can yeah. be a bigger person, but it sounds like you were kind of already like cultivating that kind of mindset with your entire life from a really young age yeah but also at the same time you know um those are just lessons that it's like every time that you have to you're defaced with um defaced when you're confronting a perceived no what i'm trying to say is every single time that you have the opportunity to look at a look at something move into a place where you feel fear you feel uncomfortable like every time you have to, you have to look at that fear in the face and, and make the decision to go there yeah. and be uncomfortable and maybe feel like the idiot and maybe look like the idiot. Yeah, that's how you grow. Yeah, it, totally. And that's how you grow. Yes. And I think, um, if you don't like, you know, if you don't take those opportunities, like that's when we stagnate as people. Yes. Totally. Yes. We have to, we have to be yeah. willing to be uncomfortable with the, um, uncomfortable. And it's, un- it yeah. sucks. It sucks to not know what you're doing. It sucks to be the only one in the room that doesn't that hasn't been doing yoga for five years. Like that sucks. It sucks to be that person that doesn't speak Spanish in a room full of Spanish speakers. Like it just sucks. But it's also like, what can I do in this situation? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, do I want to sure. move towards this discomfort or away from it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, the obstacle is the way I mean, yeah. you know, and that, that humbling effect, I think 
lets you continue to learn and grow. And so many people don't want to have that conversation well, with themselves totally. when they don't understand something because they're embarrassed or they're mm-hmm. not willing to do it. I mean, I, I definitely see it all the time. Totally. And yeah. just, you know, mad respect for anyone that's that's had to go um, out of their comfort zone. Any refugee, any, I mean, really anyone in life that's getting up and starting a new job and you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, you know, with traveling, did you experiencing, what was the experience like of seeing people whose economic situation was much different than what we see in America? Like, was that something that was, was impressed upon you when you were there? Like where you made more aware of that? So I actually grew up quite poor myself. Really? Yeah. I'm the youngest of six. Okay. Um, and, um, Anyway, I grew, I grew up quite poor, but also I think like America's poor in a lot of instances um, can be very different than a third world country's poor. Yes. Yes. Um, and so I think right now in my life in particular, like I'm really focusing on positivity. And so I look at um, and I can tie this back to yoga very intentionally because um Pain, when we experience pain in something, it's a gift. And we don't like to look at it that way because we don't want to think about it. We want it to go away. We want it to get out of our way. And ultimately, like, it's this thing that's saying something isn't right. And it's giving us this opportunity before further damage is done to do something differently. And um, and so to come back to your question, it's like in every situation, we have opportunities to grow or to turn away. Like in every situation, mm-hmm. there is something that we learn from difficulty and, um, it's, I mean, it's never easy. It's never easy to see that. I mean, it's so painful to see that and to confront that humanity, but then you get to ask yourself those bigger questions. Like, how am I going to take better advantage of what I'm, what I have to offer in my life and what can I offer to people that have less? How can I be more generous, um, in a real, like, sustainable way you know yeah yeah it's a question that i think like unfortunately like a lot of times people aren't confronted with and it you know it's a very real thing i mean you know the things that we compare about i mean that we complain about Mm -hmm. are just yeah to me like sometimes so trivial it's like oh they didn't have the right butter at you know like the, <laughs> like the first world yeah. problems hashtag yeah, yeah, yeah. like totally a first world yeah problem. and it's yeah. like oh yeah but you know like some people don't have water you yeah, know it's totally. like it's like that's such a huge problem you yeah. know and, and like for yeah. me i always bring it back to that it's always like all right like yeah this sucks but like there's somebody who has it way way worse than mm-hmm. i will ever have it you know yeah. who am i to complain it's yeah. like so i would say like did that help humble you did you feel like a humbling process um, in that or do you feel like you came I mean, into always, it. always. I mean, hopefully every situation in my life has been humbling. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like I would ask and continually ask that I'm humbled um, by the people that I meet, by how much I don't know, by how much I have when I don't think I have a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that kind of introspection, I think is something that's like directly linked in yoga. It's mm-hmm. something that seems to be a part of it's it. It's definitely something that, that we as yogis are, I mean, are are ideally working towards. And that's like this awareness of stepping back. And, um, and I mean, there's a lot of different components of it, but definitely finding the joy through the practice, but also stepping back from like the craziness of life to get a better perspective, Mm -hmm. which is what traveling does. Like Mm -hmm. you're stepping away from your normal life to get a different perspective. And hopefully, you know, a better, a better perspective on, on what's out there and what, what you really truly have to be grateful for. I love it. 
So when did you decide to become a teacher then? I don't know. I think it was somewhere in Mexico. I mean, at some point, um, I subbed a couple of my boyfriend's classes. Um, and like, that's really, I think, I don't know what it was about yoga, like not having done any sports. Like I literally, um, it's hard to remember. Do you know, it's like when someone asks you, like, how did you meet this person? Like, you remember how you met, but like, you can't really remember how you became friends. It's like, just kind of like you, maybe you remember when you meet, it's like, I remember meeting yoga and I remember like, the love like the instant infatuation with yoga um I don't think I ever like didn't I mean I don't remember that when I was 18 in that really awkward community class with the older ladies but I remember even then like I remember him telling me that he was a yoga teacher and I was like let's do yoga like let's do (laughs) yoga like let's do it and like never not wanting to do yoga and so I think, you know, he had a very dedicated daily practice. Um, and so even when I wasn't participating, I was watching that, that dedication um, when I was around him. And I think, um, I don't know, like I just never not, it just became so quickly a part of, of like my, I don't know, my being. Well, like, okay. So did you have a knack <laughs> for teaching when you were growing up? Like I'm trying to see if there's like, a tra- okay. So like for me as a trainer, right. I've always done some kind of teachy kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, like that's always been like, or like what I'm doing right now, just talking. Like I, I've always I have a knack that. for talking. Well, that might be it. So my, I mean, you have a knack to like <laughs> explain things, you know what I mean? Um, like, yeah, but I'm also not a patient person, which is really cool because yoga brings that out in me. Like teaching yoga, I'm so passionate about it that I am patient in ways that I am not patient outside the classroom (laughs) at all. Um, Like I have such compassion um, and such patience and such admiration for a beginning yoga student that like, I don't have, if like I'm teaching someone how to cook something for the first time, I'm like, why don't you get it already? Like, why are you like, you know what I mean? I don't have any patience, but then in the classroom, um, I don't know. Like I just, I think I get it. And I think that's because, Maybe I didn't have the dance background or the gymnastic background. So, I mean, literally, I had to learn everything that I can yeah. do now from scratch. And so I think that that's another reason that I'm able to um, break it down for people is because I've been the beginner. Yeah, you didn't have that natural athletic thing. You didn't grow totally. up Totally. And a lot of that. people with handstands, yeah. like the handstand work that I do now, they're like, oh, I remember being a gymnast and like being little and like doing handstands. And like I grew up really in a really conservative religious family. Yeah. So like we were only allowed to wear skirts like there was not really gym for girls. It was separated from the guys. And like, if anyone's ever heard of culottes before, they were like down to here. And like, there was huh. not dance in my world or gymnastics in my world or what I did too. I didn't know that about you. Mm-hmm. I went to a private Christian school where the, <laughs> the girls were not allowed to too. wear regular pants. Um, they had to wear culottes when they worked out. Mm-hmm. They had to wear skirts because that's what was considered to be proper. <clears throat> Can I ask what denomination? Yeah, it's Southern Baptist. So yeah, yeah, um, my yeah. dad worked for 20 years at Bob Jones University. Oh my God. I know quite a bit. Out? I wrote about, I wrote a paper about the belief system. So my older three siblings graduated. Yeah. Um, and I was there till fourth grade. Um, I think my two, two of the other ones either almost, almost finished high school. But the uh, the older three is an older three and a younger three were all the same parents though, and they all graduated. Is all this the way okay from territory college. to talk about? Yeah, now? I mean yeah. not like yeah. too. I mean In I don't depth, know too yeah. deep, but yeah, I mean yeah. um, 
so like but very conservative yeah so yeah, people yeah. they don't understand like it's interesting that you understand because when i'm saying like, i had a conservative background it's like you don't get it like conservative yeah, like yeah. no pants no tv no music no no secular music mm-hmm. no uh you can't get close to people of the opposite sex mm-hmm. you can't yeah, right, like, right. yeah like my yeah. um like if you're at um a, like a co-ed game for example like they have people that come through the bleachers and like check how much distance there is between a guy and a girl and so i think also i mean that um one there's a lot of built-in shame for women in that type of culture yeah 100 um, yeah body image wise and so i think for yoga too there was a lot of freedom um for me not like not in a scandalous way by any means but just really um getting into my body for the first time like oh that's my leg like oh that's my arm like oh this is what my body feels like when i'm doing something that's joyful because there was no dancing there was no dancing yeah none no not even like waltzing dancing there Mm -hmm. was no dancing Mm -hmm. so um that might have been why I was attracted to yoga also. Yeah. This was the first time that I was able to experience my body. And, of course, my parents have had a pretty big aversion to yoga for a long time. Yeah, because they think, uh, well, at least the people that I was with in school like that religion. would say that, yeah, it's a religion mm-hmm. and that you're opening up your mind to evil spirits. And totally. That, I mean, I remember <laughs> totally preachers. Yeah, I know I know your, <laughs> I know your story because I went to a, and I, actually my family's not even Baptist. Mm-hmm. So like, I went to a Baptist school okay. because my parents wanted me to be around like good kids it's a long story for a different podcast, but <laughs> we but let's do just a podcast say, on overcoming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is like a whole like thing. It's like a lot of like how you view the world and mm-hmm. how you view yourself and like how you view like your sexual desires and how you mm-hmm. view totally. like like all this other stuff. But but back to the point here. Uh, what was I saying? <laughs> uh, uh, something about um. I don't this? know. You were saying about going to school. Damn it. <laughs> I interrupted. Oh, no, no, it's fault. okay. It's all right. It's all good. I lost track. You're going to rewatch the podcast. Yeah. And like, That's totally what I was going to say. Of course. And it was so important. Of course. Some, something about not dancing, uh, not wearing certain kinds of clothing. What were mm-hmm. you saying last? Uh, I don't know. Something along those lines. No dancing. Oh, well, you just can't do shit. Like, yeah, you, you essentially. You can't do anything that's, yeah. like, that's like fun. Which or... is okay. So then people. Yoga. Yoga. I remember now. Yes. Uh, yeah. So like I remember preachers at every Monday we would have, <laughs> you know, this chapel. Oh. We'd have chapel and every Monday we'd have uh, like a, either the the preacher in our school uh-huh. or a preacher who came through the circuit and since we're the same age you know what we might have had some of the same preachers oh, because there I are have preachers no yeah th- there are preachers who travel the country you know doing stuff so i bet that we had so, some of the same preachers even to this day i have like the weirdest thing about being trapped in places because my parents like we had to go to yeah. um Bible school on Saturdays. We had to go to Wednesday night church yeah. service. And then on Sundays, we had to go three times. So you had to go early for Sunday school. And then you had to go to the Sunday morning service and then to the Sunday evening service. So like, you know, it would be, especially in the, like in my particular church, I can't speak for every Southern Baptist church, but it was like hours. And like just being this little kid and just being forced to sit for hours and hours and hours like it was the most miserable thing ever that might be another reason i like to move because i just had to be like no talking and silence for so long for um just having to do that yeah it was like still like traumatizing to think about were you were you afraid a lot as a kid because i was afraid of (laughs) every time i do you know this like anyone that was taught about the um the rapture like anytime you like couldn't find your mom 
you know, you'd be like, the rapture's happened. Like she'd like go to visit the neighbors and you'd be like, I'm the only one left in the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, and, and it's really interesting because my parents were incredibly conservative um, so they didn't actually know about all of these boyfriends that I'm referencing. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, that's what <laughs> they had you, no yeah. idea. I mean, I wasn't allowed to date, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I actually had a boyfriend for three years that they never met and it was from like 16 to 19. So it was like pivotal years. And the Asia trip that I did, did that. with him, they thought that I did it alone. But I, I, I actually just like had a separate photo album that had every picture I took with him. I took without him. <laughs> <laughs> so I had like a whole like it was like a secret life. I mean, it was it just there was no openness. There was no room for openness or honesty in my family at all. And there was no conversation about um, <clears throat> about how to express emotion. Mm -hmm. It was all about repression. You know, this is not appropriate, and this is not how a woman acts, and this is, you know, like this is a woman's place. No, I know, and like, I know, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, that, that, I mean, that's a big topic, also. But it is; it, it puts you in a constant state of fear. Mm -hmm. You know, where you constantly feel like you're wrong, like you're doing something that's going to mess you up. Like, well, am I and right? The guilt, yes, you know, the guilt, and like, oh my god, God's going to hate me now, and like, God's going to think I'm fucking up my life, and like, you know, yeah. just the shame and the and the guilt that um, that they really pile on you. Yeah, it's so, kind of crazy. So, is your do, do you have a spiritual practice now, or man? So that's such an that's such an interesting question, and um and you know I went from kind of like ricocheting from being completely atheist, um to coming back to kind of my own version of faith, mm -hmm. um and then kind of actually now being in a place where I'm kind of like hmm like I don't I don't know what what I want this to look like. Um, but in terms of having a spiritual practice, um, absolutely. Yep. And, um, not necessarily like, I don't know what my beliefs are right now. I'm kind of in this transition period, which is just me being really honest and, and, and yeah, vulnerable no, with everyone. Yeah. Um, and like my, my spiritual practice right now is to do my journaling, my meditation, um, and to do the deeper work of, um, of, I think that ultimately we're unknowable <laughs> as much as we want to know ourselves. I think ultimately we're unknowable, mm -hmm. but to do that deeper work, I mean, to look at the hard stuff, to look every day as much as possible at the hard stuff so that, um, so that I don't have to be scared. Like, I don't want to be scared to look at that dark stuff. Like I want to see every part of myself. I want to accept every part of myself. Um, even the parts that I don't like, because there's an amazing book um, called Tattoos on the Heart. And have you read it? I will post it in the con in the yeah, description section fantastic. for this. Yeah. Um, it's this, I believe he's a Jesuit priest that has worked with gangs. Um, mm -hmm. He created Homeboy Industries and like, just he's phenomenal. If you listen to interviews with him and anyway, he said, he tells a story about this gang member and I won't get into details, but he was very severely abused by his mother and um, was very ashamed of the scars that his mom left him on his back and ultimately said when he was giving this speech, like if I, um, he said, I used to cover up my wounds and now like I, t I take them, I, t you know, I look at them and I touch them. And yeah. if I can't look at my own wounds, how can I look at other, how can I look at other people, other people's wounds and how can I, um, how can I help other, how can I help the wounded? If I don't look at my own wounds. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, how can I help other people do the physical practice of yoga? If I haven't done the physical practice of yoga, how can I help other people be comfortable with the parts of themselves that maybe aren't the prettiest? If I'm not comfortable with the, un, you know, with the parts of myself that aren't pretty. And, um, 
And for me, like, that's my work. Like, beyond how much I love the physical practice and I love the challenge of the physical practice, for me, like, the power in um, in not turning away from yourself. Yes. The vulnerability and, like, the ability to, like, do the deep work that allows you to look at life more clearly is, yeah, is really is important when you are a teacher. Absolutely. You know, because, like, you know, really what you do and, you know, what I do is something that I think can be really transformative for, for people. It's like you can find something out about yourself or you should. You do find something out about yourself when you are working out or when you're doing yoga that you might not have known otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not right, or if you're not in the right mental space, or if you're not practicing and digging deeper, then you're missing an opportunity to help people to get to the real point of what this right. is all about. Right. And ultimately, yeah. I mean, every, I think every teacher across the board, like no matter what, um, what you teach, like you're, you want to reach something deeper within your student. And so for me, it's not like that I need every student to have some transformational experience, no, yeah, of course. but like at the same time, like even if it's as simple as we are so as women in particular, like that, the perfectionist, like that we have to be perfect or we can't show our weaknesses or that, you know, hair has to be this way or our bodies have to be this way. And it's like, even if just one person, I can look at them and just say like, this, like, this is who you are, like celebrate this. Mm -hmm. This is beautiful. And like, even when it's not beautiful, it being not beautiful is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And you are beautiful in every facet of yourself, the imperfections, the perfections, like, you know, but also, I mean, there is work to always to be done. And so to encourage that work, to guide that work and to, um, to just, you know, like see, I mean, for me, my greatest joy is to see my students have success in what I, and sometimes that success, I mean, I get a lot of type A's in my classes because a lot of type A's, they want to work really freaking hard. Yeah. And sometimes I can see that, that success is like, Hey, I'm actually going to like sit this pose out. I'm like, hell yes. Like sit this freaking pose out. Yeah. Like, whoa. Like you just fucking chilled out. And um, and that's exactly what you need to be doing right now because you are balls to the walls every freaking class. So like knowing when I you need know. to step down totally. is, is a big that's thing. a whole yes, different practice yes, you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah of course yeah. so you know like going from there we kind of talked a little bit about like your, your i did not know about that that's super <laughs> interesting so we have a connection there mm -hmm. like we'll, we'll talk more about that later on like, that's very interesting <laughs> part two. yeah part two <laughs> like uh, so you spend time in in uh, mexico you get mm -hmm. into yoga you kind of find this thing out about yourself that you didn't quite know mm -hmm. and then where do you go from there so um um, so again, my parents super conservative and then, but not when it came to traveling, I don't know why, like they were thought that I was doing these trips on my own and they were like, go like, did you tell me you're on missions trips or anything? Like no, that? I didn't ever, never went on mission I, trips. Oh wait, I no. guess you couldn't lie. That'd be mm -mm. too big of a lie. No, yeah. that would be a good, that would be a good one though. I'm going yeah. to save the souls of the mass. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, anyway, long story short. Um, so from Mexico, I lived in Mexico for about a year and a half. Um, I was kind of came back to the States to save a little bit more money cause I wasn't working there. So I was just living. Um, and then, um, let's see after that, I, that's how I ended up in San Antonio. So, um, I kind of jumped around when I was younger. Once my dad left Bob Jones, um, <clears throat> I lived two other places and then moved to Mexico. And then from Mexico, um, 
I lived uh, here in San Antonio for a couple of months saving money to go back to Mexico. And I was like, I'm going to live in Mexico for forever. I'm so in love with Mexico. And then like I magically was like over, not over Mexico. My love of Mexico is so deep inside of me, um, but just kind of like ready to, to do something different. And so um, I actually was like, well, where will I move? And um, before I moved to Mexico, I was in Chicago and my dad had been laid off at his job there. So they moved to North Carolina. I was like, there's no way in hell I'm moving to North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, so I ended up... Step uh, back. Yeah, yeah, so I ended up like, where do I end up? Um, so I ended up here in San Antonio. And um, I moved here in the May Did you have of, a connection here or something? Well, so... What, <laughs> oh, boy. I think... Uh, yeah, I knew it. <laughs> so when I moved here to work, I was actually um, so embarrassing. I was a waitress at Mamacita's off I-10. Yeah. And um, I met a waiter there who... I was born in the States and grew up in Mexico. Super awesome guy. We're actually still friends. He lives here in town. And um, at the time, I think he'd only been living here for like two years. So his English wasn't super fantastic. Did speak some. Anyway, we had a good connection. Um, so we decided to give it a try when I moved back here, um, which we were probably together. Like I moved here in May of 2010. We probably broke up that following like that by the end of the year yeah. we had broken up. Um, but that's how I ended up here. And... Um, yeah. And so then I like quickly right after we broke up, actually, which was great because then I was forced to find friends, which, you know, whenever you have like a go to person, you don't put yourself out there very much. So I started putting myself out there. I actually started going to classes, yoga classes at the YMCA. And I found um, who was later my mentor for yoga school and my yoga teacher for quite a while. Um, and her name is Siobhan. And she actually moved to Washington. Hi, Siobhan. I'll send this to you. Um, <laughs> but, um, so well, I you started doing yoga. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So she, I took her classes at the YMCA like three okay. times a week or something like that. And then ended up applying for yoga school the following year. Where did you go to yoga school? So I went to yoga school at the Esther Vexler yoga, uh, school, yoga school. Yeah, yoga school. EBYS. And um, they were the only option in San Antonio at the time. Because there was only like five studios in San Antonio in 2000. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of, um, a lot, a lot, a lot. And EVYS has moved around quite a bit. I was with them when they were at Synergy. Um, The following year, Yoga Yoga came from Austin to teach their teacher trainings at Synergy. Yeah. So that's where I went to school. Mm -hmm. And um, what's super cool about EVYS is it's a non-for-profit. And um, it was the namesake. Her name is Esther Baxter. She actually passed recently. But... um, I believe she passed when she was 97 and she was still teaching yoga and she had been a yoga teacher for like, you know, over 40 years, over 40, years. You told me in your, when I took a workshop with you, you told me a bit about something. Yeah. I mean, she's amazing. And I actually got the chance to photograph her. She was in Lotus pose. I mean, I think she was 95 or 96 at the time she was in Lotus pose, which is a hard pose for most people in general, which is like, it's crazy hip opener pose, but yeah. So that's where I went to school. Which is awesome. So, okay. So, so you take those classes and then where did you teach right from the get go? So I almost, so here's the thing. I graduated and um, I was already planning a trip. Mm -hmm. Like there's also a theme, boys and trips. (laughs) Um, This trip originally did not have a boy attached to it. Um, Later on it did have a boy. But, um, so... Uh, long story short, um, what was the question? The oh. question is, yeah. when did I start no, teaching? Okay, I actually started yeah. teaching at the YMCA, oh, but okay, the one off right. of Braun. So yeah, yeah. like that super far one off of uh, 410 and, and Babcock. And were you still um, waitressing at the time? No, no, no. I, so I only waitressed, um, for those like two and a half months that I lived in San Antonio, saving money to go back from Mexico. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I, um, got a job when I, when I came here. Cool. Um, that was not waitressing. Mm-hmm. I had, that was enough waitressing for me. Although I'm a good waitress. 
I'm good. I have good. I, I am the worst. I, I, I look, I don't give a shit like about like it's <laughs> I have to tell you, like, I cannot. I don't know what it is. I did it once. Like, I just don't like it. I don't I don't like I <laughs> I mean, I can't say that I like it, but yeah. I'm good at it. Like, I can remember almost everyone's order. Like I could hold I can hold like a lot of information very short term. Like, give me 15 minutes and it's gone. But I can hold a lot in there. I have this thing with like selective memory. I cannot be good at something I don't like. And like, I can't I can't. I can't. I just can't. Every I limitation <laughs> is self-imposed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here I am telling people like <laughs> you can do this and you. Okay. All right. Let me put it this way. It's not that I he can't. Doesn't it's, I be don't want that he doesn't want to be good at things that he doesn't like. I don't want to be good at things and I have a very, that I don't like <laughs> and that I don't have any interest or see any future. And in. that's okay. <laughs> that's okay i feel okay about it i'm at peace with it i just know like like the one time that i that i that i did that i was a server was so oh my god i did random stuff like my weight like i would like you know as a single girl i was younger and like guys would like ask weird stuff and like i'm just like happy to do it like they were like sing me a song i started singing cotton eye joe once i got a really big tip from that guy he was like sing me the first song you think of and i started singing and dancing to cotton eye joe men don't get that kind he of <laughs> advantage, you know, anyway, like, <laughs> yeah, it was random. I put up with a lot of stuff I should not have put up with. Oh, I am. I look back and I'm just like, what was I thinking? Yeah, I let some, them get away with some, some harassment. Total yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Especially by other, you know, managers and stuff. But oh, that's ugly. Yeah. yeah. But it's just, you know, it's, it's so interesting because with the whole me too movement, but it's like, you really, it's like, as a woman, it's just, you kind of expect it. And, um, and then you look back and you're like, how could I have expected those types of comments to have been made or yeah now it's different you, yeah. you just cannot you cannot do that anymore yeah, yeah. it's a great thing yeah, absolutely. yeah we actually have somebody who's really involved in uh, me too here oh cool yeah just locally yeah, cool. yeah amazing yeah. 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 So we were talking a little bit about like what you did next. So yeah. So I started teaching YMCA. the why, but I was already knew that I was leaving. So I didn't really want to approach a lot of mm. studios in town and be like, hire me for three months before I leave. Um, so I, I did teach at the Y and then taught kind of like some community based based classes outside so is this at the same were you taking photos at this time for your mm -hmm. photo project yeah okay all right so yeah, tell yeah. us about the photo project okay so i did this project and some, back in the day everyone knew me for this and now nobody even knows about it I but know i did a project either. yeah called um yoga in unusual places so i started so essentially um i started backpacking again when i was 15 went when i was 17 went when i was 18 moved to mexico when i was 20 and then when i was 22 so my sister is a crazy adventurer a lot of my people in my family are and um she did a lot of solo traveling for like seven, eight mm -hmm. years and um, started traveling by motorcycle. And so she lived in Antarctica um, for quite, for a couple different seasons. And um, that's in another Antarctica? long story. In Antarctica? And it, which is crazy. Um, There's no one there. And so she started dating the Antarctic snow machine repairman. So she ended up, he was from Colorado and she ended up moving to Colorado and he like taught her all this stuff about motorcycle maintenance and how to ride if, mm -hmm. if that, that might be incorrect. And, um, and so I actually went up there at the time and, um, she ended up doing a U.S. trip and then she had always, I think her dream, one of her big dreams was to do Africa on a motorcycle. So she bought a 125, and if you know anything about motorcycles, it's like a really small engine. It's like what a scooter would have, mm -hmm. or like mm -hmm. most lawnmowers are like 150. 
lawnmowers (laughs) lawnmowers so not a lot of power no um and she did a solo trip from johannesburg to kenya on her own jeez um and back and actually met her husband in south africa so she's now married to a south african but i flew over there Uh, you know i i have to say something I have to say something. He has to say something. Okay, tell right. me. So Bob Jones has some pretty strong feelings. Is this okay that I say yeah. this? Do you know where I'm going with Go, this? Uh, yeah. About like interracial dating. Oh, he's white. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. See, yeah, see? Like, I just assume that. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, white. Yeah, yeah. He's, this he's has white been South on African. My mind, yeah. Like, since but you- yes, they do. Like, they do. They absolutely. I mean, Bob Jones has gotten a that is a big topic. Yeah. And there's been some scandals that have come out. I don't know if you kept up on some of the scandals that came out. Probably uh, back back in, um, I don't know, maybe four or five, six no, years ago. No, what happened? Um, you know, just some scandals. Okay, you should I'll, read, I'll, look yeah, you should, I'll look at it. I'll look at it. Google. <laughs> I just felt I've been feeling like this need to say it because I wrote a paper about this. Okay, yeah. So when I was in college. So like I've had, this is like on the back of my mm-hmm. mind. Another topic. Yes. All right. Sorry. Uh, no, anyway, so saying. I flew. I actually took time off of work and flew yeah. to Africa. Yeah. My first time in Africa and did um, a sm- in the middle of winter. I jumped on the back of her bike, which two people on a 125 plus gear is like crazy. We went. It's really hard to go fast. And um, we were in the dead of winter and it was icy roads. It was freezing. I've never been so cold in my life. And most people that do that type of adventure riding are doing it with proper gear. And I didn't have any proper gear. Like I was using some of her old gear that she happened to have over there that was not insulated from weather. I've never been that cold or that miserable in my entire life. (laughs) And I was like, I cannot wait to do this again. I cannot wait to do this again. So you like the pain, like the the, the challenging (laughs) yourself that way. I'm a sensation junkie. Yeah. Okay. All right. So tell us what that (laughs) means. Tell tell us what that means. No, I mean, I think, um, I think that... I'm a very emotional person mm-hmm. and, um, and I feel very deeply. Um, but I think at the same time, like, uh, so I try to moderate that by like mindfulness practices that mm-hmm. are like separating me from my emotions. Yeah. Um, I've had to learn like how not to live by my emotions and realize that my emotions, mm. I don't want to be reactive. You want to be proactive. Yeah. And yeah. that's one of the things, um, that it, you know, yoga started to give me that space um, between um, something happening and my reaction to something me too. happening. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and um, and I think that's one of the big things that attracted me to it because that was my first experience and not being emotionally reactive to something. Um, I thought it was dumb. Like when I when I you know for for me, I mean my my. And first then he walked into my class and I kicked his ass and he was. There's like, a little bit more to it. Yeah, to but this. that definitely helped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I just got I had a teacher actually mm-hmm. I got really lucky who taught a class called Buddhist psychology. Oh, cool. And that was my intro, and then I was just like, oh, this is actually like something that's cool. Like the the. the fixing like you being uh reactive to things instead of like you being you know learning to be dispassionate just like this is what's happening this is the experience Mm -hmm. i can either react to it or i can be proactive about it like that whole process totally and i think um you know we just on a daily basis like we have so much shit going on like so much stuff that we have to do in one day that just didn't exist before you know we were in tribes we were in bigger communities mm-hmm. uh we don't we're not balancing home life and careers and social lives and relation romantic lives and like all of those things so i think the modern person like needs it so much even more than agreed you know than maybe someone in the past needed it where they could get their meditation on their 
morning walk through the jungle as they gathered berries. There was no iPad, no telephone, no news, nothing for them to be distracted by or, you know, to pull them out of that moment. And so on these trips, uh, <laughs> you're very in the moment then. Yeah, right? yeah, Because you yeah, can't, yeah. you don't really have... Because you're freezing and you're trying not to fall asleep slash cry slash die yeah yeah yeah. um so yeah absolutely and then also like these moments of like misery juxtaposed with like the most beautiful shit that you've ever seen in your life you know like you're in the middle of nowhere you smell everything you feel everything like you see the look in people's eyes when you pass by especially when you're on a small bike and you can't go very fast um and then you just i mean and then just this road just breaks away to like the majesty like the mad, like the freaking majesty that yeah. is like our world. And yeah, you know? there are so many beautiful pictures. If you hop on her Facebook and you just look, I mean, yeah. Yeah, there's some gorgeous sights and scenes. What I want to know is something that people with Wanderlust talk about a lot less, which is what's like one of the weirdest things that you saw? Because, <laughs> because I had oh, moments, man. okay, like I haven't traveled nearly as much as you like, but in my travels, I did see very weird things. Like when you, if you just, if you're out long enough and you're up late at, at night and you're meeting different people you just run into something and you're like what the fuck was that so i don't know <laughs> you've got to think something. of something like where a person, i saw something, something but i was riding through a town <laughs> in um i think it was gosh i can't remember which central american country it was um on my motorcycle and like there was this drunk guy and it was this really small town it was like there was a main road through a it guy. yeah always a drunk guy and um <laughs> and like there was maybe like three like rickety shops and like I slowed down to like that, let this guy pass. And so he like stops, like takes a step back and is like, go. So, um, Justin, who I was with at the time, um, was ahead on his motorcycle and he saw it in the rear room mirror, but I was going very slow, um, through past this guy. I had already slowed down cause I knew that he was unpredictable and I rode past and he leaned forward and he smacked me on the back of my head, but I had a helmet on. Whoa. And I was just like, did that just happen? Like, I looked ahead and he was like, he, you know, Justin had seen it too. And I was just like, I cannot believe that this random drunk guy that I was totally respectful to, like, to let him get out of it. Like, I was totally not speeding past. Just like hit me on the back of that the is head. so weird. <laughs> the weirdest thing. Man, I, mine was with a random drunk guy too. Really? I was, it, but it was in a McDonald's. It was in Columbus, Ohio. Uh-oh. We were on tour and All we were in. Happened in Columbus, yeah, Ohio. yeah, Ohio. Ohio. A, yeah, Ohio's a Where, weird yeah, state. Yeah, my dad's family is from Ohio. Well, <laughs> hello, friends. I wonder if dad's hello, watching family. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, carry on. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in a McDonald's drive-through, uh -huh. and I'm we're waiting to get food, and we just see this man with his pants down <laughs> come by, and he's urinating on himself. He's urinating everything. He's foaming at the mouth. Oh, he was on some kind of substances, guy. and he's totally. just like, I know, and I'm not saying it to make fun of the guy, but it was just like, you it's know, it's really so bizarre. You're just yeah. like, what were you doing tonight? Totally. Like, what led to that? Like, how And I have up? to say, a lot of people pass me peeing on the side of the road. You know? And there, it's really hard to pee on the side of the road. One, when you're a girl, and two, when you've got a lot of motorcycle gear on. You know, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, Especially it's when like it's it's, there's no quick pee. Like you've got, yeah, you've got rain gear on. You've got your motorcycle pants. Hmm. You've got your, you know, your your warmer layers. 
underwear. Have you seen that attachment that you can... <laughs> the funnel? Yeah, the funnel thing. Okay, <laughs> then what am I going to do with a pee funnel? Am I going to strap it to the back of my bike? Maybe you can wear it like when you, when you go on the road. It like, wouldn't have been. I, I don't think it would have been any less awkward. Thing. Yeah, um, but I'm, a lot of people pass me on the side of the road doing things that they. Some, sometimes you got to pee, Lena. <laughs> you do. Yeah. Okay. If you take nothing away from this podcast, it's it's, it's uh, sometimes <laughs> you'll get to sick use if the you bathroom. don't. Yeah, you'll get yeah. sick if you don't. Totally. People literally get sick. Totally. Like, from not using the bathroom. It's awful. It's a thing. It's also uncomfortable. Just use the bathroom. Just go. Just go. Just do it. <laughs> if you got to do What's it, like that. What's the worst guy? thing just that can happen? Someone sees you pee. <laughs> it just remember. At least you're not in a McDonald's. And at least everybody does it. And at least you don't live in Ohio. Except everyone that lives in Ohio, we love you. Mm, all of you. <laughs> so you're telling me a little bit about before I, I took away from your story. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't remember what I was telling you about, but essentially miserable in Africa led me to like, I want to do this. So I came back to the States and learned how to ride a motorcycle and planned a trip, um, which led to the photo shoot. So so you start collecting photos of people in random places and just for, for doing perspective, yoga. doing yoga. And just for perspective, this was in 2012, right? Yeah. So at this time, Instagram and all that stuff wasn't what it is now. So now you I, see, I don't think, I didn't download Instagram till like 20... 15 or 2016 yeah maybe. yeah it's yeah. it's a, yeah and it's it's you you see these things more often now but to put it in perspective for for people uh right now in 2012 people weren't taking pictures of as commonly of people mm -hmm. in random spots doing yoga Not it just wasn't all. a thing now you can you know what i mean just because of instagram and what it is totally and photo culture you see that but at the time it wasn't mm -hmm. so you were doing something kind of fun and cutting edge like throughout town edge. yeah she was cutting edge, yeah, cutting I was edge. Cutting edge. <laughs> but um so the thing is is like i was broke and so yeah. I just bought, um, I just bought a ticket and was like, this is going to happen. I bought a ticket for November in January. Um, and I told Justin who I was dating at the time, like, Hey, I'm going to go on this trip. I don't know if you want to keep dating, but like, I'm going to do this trip on my own and, and get a motorcycle. He ended up deciding he wanted to do it with me and also learning how to ride, which is a whole nother story. But, um, I was like, how am I going to make money for this? So, um, I started doing donation photographs of people doing yoga, um, and they would donate to my trip. Did something inspire that for you to do it by Gosh, donation? You know, it's so funny. I don't, I think someone suggested it. I think someone was like, I would totally like donate like, and have you take pictures. I think someone was just randomly like, why don't you just like, I would totally donate if you took pictures. I don't know. It's like some random offhanded comment. And then I think I was like, do you think people would actually do this? Like, would you be interested in yeah, like doing yoga and like donate to my trip? And, um, and I just kept getting yeses and I was like, okay, well this is like a thing. And then the word kind of spread. If I remember correctly, I photographed around like 75 people. And yeah. then right before I went on the trip, I had a, my first and only gallery opening at Millworks. Um, and it was all my photographs of, um, not all my photographs, but a few of my photographs yeah, printed. Yeah, so cool. Um, of people doing yoga. And actually, super crazy story. One of the ladies that bought two of my pictures um, had lost her son to a motorcycle accident. He had died in a, on a, in a motorcycle accident. And she wow. came, ran, found out about my um, about my gallery opening and came and purchased two of my pictures to support me on the trip. Yeah, that's really awesome of her. But, um, yeah. It almost seems like a way you'd make peace with it. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's it, yeah. so random that I remembered that because I, I hadn't thought about that for a long time. Yeah. But, yeah. And so that, the, you made enough money to fund yourself doing Yeah, that. but 
I did this trip like freaking shoestring. So I'm never very impressed when people are like, I did them. Not anyone. I Most people, I, I don't really know people that do motorcycle trips. But when you read blogs, it's like they're on these big BMWs. They've got yes. a ton of expendable income. Yes. They're staying in hotels. It's like that is us people that like really rough it. Like we get we like to make fun of people that like think they're roughing it, but they're not roughing it at all. But I did the whole trip on um, 10 grand. Mm-hmm. And that included buying my bike, which was fifteen hundred. It included crossing the Darien Gap, which was um, on a sailboat, which uh, was a thousand. The Darien Gap is how I, I read something about the Darien Gap is like basically Colombia is yeah. like there's uncrossable forest, um, so there's no way to get to Colombia um, from Colombia to Panama. Like it's there's no roads, um, and of course there's tons of legends and myth about drug dealing cartel things within that for deep in that forest um that kind of have their terrains so you have to cross the Darien gap i mean regardless of what 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 truth there is in that like it's unpassable yeah. jungle yeah. with no roads so you have to pass on a sailboat or fly between Colombia and panama so um i had to pay a sailboat to crane my bike to take my bike to the boat crane my boat up on uh, my bike up onto the boat and, and you had this sale. pre-planned or was it you planned you, it um, you, you it out? Gosh, you know, I don't remember. I mean, you had to look into those details in advance. There's not very many sailboats that will take motorcycles. Um, but I, I mean, obviously I had to do some type of pre-research at, in, at some point. And then I don't remember exactly when I ended up booking passage, but so, at some point that got sorted out. So you cross over and then what, what stands out to you the most about that trip? <sighs> It's a very deep question. Yeah, I know, I know, but I, I guess, um, I guess, what's one of the first <laughs> things that comes to mind? You know, you and I chatted a little bit about this before, and it's like that it was hard. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, that seems like hard. so much of it. Like what you hard. remember is the, the, the difficulty of it, but, um, but it's but not like you really like enjoy breathtaking. that. Yeah, yeah, like also breath, like just breathtaking, like, like breath, like undescribable. You can, that cannot be bought. It's this theme of like being be uncomfortable, bought. being mm-hmm. comfortable with the uncomfortable and actually looking for it because See it like how you much you can put up yeah, with. Like, yeah. And then coming back and being like, holy crap, I have like hot water. Like I just have to like, I can like take a shower whenever I want. I have a, I can close the door when I go to the bathroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you just come back and it's like you get all, you have like such that culture shock like. Um, that stands out to me a lot. And I, I, I think about it now and it's like, I wouldn't have not done the trip, but at the same time, like it was so hard. Like, I don't, I don't want to do a trip like that again. That's which how, is weird. How long? I mean, I want to keep traveling. It was, was almost it a, a year? year. It was almost a year. It was almost a year, um, on the road, like camping on the side of the road and, you know, cooking from that. You can make these little stoves that burn alcohol from two Coke cans. You just need two like Coke cans and you can make this little stove. And it burns alcohol, so it's awesome because you don't need, like, that expensive and hard-to-find, like, fuel. Um, And so, like, I think physically, like, so challenging. Like, my butt, I've never experienced butt pain like that in my whole life. I'm sure. So I actually spent, and then I ate a lot of shit, like, crashed my bike a lot, um, like, throughout the trip. And so, um, you know, just none of them were super bad. I had um, one, there was one in particular that was pretty hard, but... um, but like I had a truck run over my foot, um, <laughs> you know, like just crazy crap. And like, people are just like, 
Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's crazy. I don't even remember what the original question was, but, um, oh, my body, it just came back destroyed and my nutrition, I wasn't able to, to eat nutrition. So I came back with a lot of like gut issues, like a lot of, um, I think I probably ingested a lot of parasites and like had to like heal my like gut microbiome and stuff like that through probiotics. So while you're on the trip, I think you mentioned that you got a chance to teach. Is so, I mean, I did couch when I wasn't camping on the side of the road, I was doing couch surfing, which if you aren't familiar with it, it's essentially like you ask locals to host you through this website. And um, it's actually the website's gotten it, it was like a lot more grassroots and then it's gotten really big, um, which has created a lot of controversy. But um, so I had the opportunity to teach a lot of those people kind of like in trade, like here's what mm -hmm. I can offer you. Um, also, I remember like, you know. I'm traveling and like I left and like I had just, you know, done my teacher training. I've been teaching and I was like, I'm going to do yoga every day. And like just that reality of like, I just rode my freaking motorcycle for eight hours. My ass hurts. Like, uh, I'm freaking exhausted. I mean, because it's not like when you're um, riding in a car. You know, it's like maybe the person that's driving gets to, you know, is paying attention and then the other person gets to zone out or sleep or read or like whatever it is that they're doing. It's like when you're on a motorcycle, it's like just constant, like constant um, awareness. And even the throttle, like I didn't have a throttle lock. So you have to have your hand throttling the entire time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so your wrist probably hurt. Your yeah, hands. like everything hurt. And like these grand plans I had to be doing these like full practices just went, I mean, immediately went to shit. And, um, and so I had to find different ways. And I mean, I was physically, um, so cold. I mean, I lost like any body fat I had like pretty quickly into the trip and we would go up into the mountains, we'd be wet. And then it would be, we'd go up into the mountains and like, would just freeze. I mean, I just remember being so cold, like our fingers would turn purple, like that kind of cold yeah. and, um, like cold, like I've never been in my life. And like, I would do breathing exercises like breath of fire and like other types of breathing Create exercises. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started exploring like some of the other types of yoga that are available. Mm -hmm. And also just kind of like my body hurts, like the feel good, the feel good yoga where you're just like, oh, just gonna like you know do a little twisting here and like that's, that's so that's what need. that's yeah that's and that was all the energy I could muster up you know to do so all my grand plans of like teaching along the way like never quite quite manifested yeah but yeah. um but I, I mean I did I did teach quite a bit I did practice quite a bit just not my like hour every day like I had did you meet planned. people were there people that you you met Traveling that you by motorcycle um one is a very much a solo yeah. activity. <laughs> um, so it's a lot about solitude actually. Um, and, um, because I was camping on the side of the road, we weren't talking to people. So, um, when I did, we only stayed at a few hostels. We obviously talked to people when we did the couch surfing. Um, but actually a lot less time talking to people than one would think. You know, if you think about how people normally travel when they backpack, it's like they gather at bus stations. They can meet people there on the yeah, bus next to people. They can meet people. people. They're staying at hostels or lodges. Um, they're going out to eat a lot more. Like most people that are backpacking aren't backpacking with a camp stove yeah, and like making their own food. They're like you also don't have the eating out for it. Yeah, totally. You're, you're, keeping, you're keeping it with you on this kind of trip. Totally. I mean, unless you're backpacking it. in the wilderness, but like an average, like touristy backpacker, like they're eating yeah. local food. 
So um, there was actually not as many opportunities to talk to people as you would think. Yeah. See, I was not expecting that because I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've never done that. I mm-hmm. went on a, a tour with a band and I just spent, I mean, we, we did that. We stayed in tents and stuff mm-hmm. at national parks, but we also stayed at people's houses. Mm-hmm. So I met people all the time. Yeah. You know, but you know, I spent like it's Patagonia very is very isolated, like a lot of times where you just don't see a you're lot just, of people. I mean, when you're doing a country from top to bottom on a motorcycle, you're just seeing everything and you're going through the wilderness as much as you are going through the cities. Um, and frankly, for the most part, when you're trying to camp because your budget's so low, um, you're trying to get through, through the cities as quickly as possible to get back to places where you can camp. So yeah. your goal is actually to be outside of the city with before dark to find a place to camp. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. you constantly have to be going. Mm-hmm. So I bet that changes your perception of time. You know, that's yeah, something because that you're I like, Yeah, because you're like, I could stay here for forever. This place is beautiful. And like 10 minutes later, you're like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, you can't be attached to anything. You yeah. have to just keep moving. That's yeah. that's definitely something that, that, that stuck, stuck out to me a lot when I traveled. Is mm-hmm. that you, you just can't, you can't stay anywhere. You, yeah. It's like, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. I've been here for, for too long. <laughs> <laughs> stayed 15 minutes. Time to move on. Time to go. Like, two the minutes, longest right. I stayed was like Lake Atiklan in Guatemala I was mm. there for like a week and I was like maybe we'll stay here for like two three weeks and like it was like seven days and I was like I gotta get out of here like, do you I have pictures go. of it oh I'm sure there's a lot of yeah. pictures yeah it's actually a big yoga resort like it, it's actually it's like this basin and there's just like a lot of yoga studios like oh, a lot of so teachers cool. go down there and teach and I did a little bit of yoga one of the only teachers was there was a kundalini teacher and if you know anything about kundalini it's like very much like breath work and like weird noises and stuff and it was not my style at all and I was like this, I took a class. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take this class. I already knew it wasn't really for me, but I was like the only class that day or something. And I took it in the whole class. I was just so awkward yeah, but everyone that loves kundalini like i mean they just love it and like i so i love the people that love kundalini it attracts a lot of like the really quirky cool people but new wave i mean yeah. new agey yeah like just super like into energy and like yeah. really intuitive people but you know just like to do these poses and like huh, like make all these noises <laughs> like huh, i don't know just you do just like, like 10 minutes you, yeah you know it's interesting. No, but I know what you're talking, the kind of person. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, yeah. yeah, it's I definitely a doing, specific yeah. style of yoga that's not very Yeah, own. very in touch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. When did you come back to San Antonio and what did you do when you came I rode back, back on, my mount, on my noble motorcycle steed, drove all the way back to San Antonio. So I did, um, started in Santiago, Chile, went all the way south to Ushuaia, which is as far south as you can go. Yeah. And then I came all the way back, drove into San Antonio and stopped at a friend's house. I didn't have anywhere to live. Like I didn't have a place here in San Antonio. So I went to, um, to a friend's house and like did laundry and like was like, woohoo. And then like, that was the end of my trip. My God. I just like pulled up to my friend's house and my friend was like, Hey, we were like, Hey, did your friend know you were showing up? Yeah, 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 Yeah. And then like, we just kind of like, um, and then we just like put some laundry in the wall. Emily, can I use your washer? <laughs> I was like, it was like the end of my trip. Um, yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. It was really nice to go back to something so comfortable I, as I, opposed to like. The closest that I can relate to this is doing a marathon. Mm-hmm. Cause like when you do a marathon, you are so fucked up when you're done. 
Like you are so fucked up. Like physically, you've lost weight. You look like a different. I would never person. get a marathon. Yeah, I did. I did a full, and and like this is the closest I can relate. Like, is that by the time I was done, I look like a different person. I'll show you photos one of these days. I was I had dropped like like something like ten pounds, like a lot. I'd lost a considerable wow. amount of weight just running it. But you feel like you know when people ask you, I, I, for the viewers at home, like. There's just something about putting yourself under pressure and making yourself do something that's physically uncomfortable that just helps you develop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when did you start teaching yoga again? So essentially I decided that I was going to leave San Antonio. If any of you guys remember the San Antonio of 2012 and 2013. That's when I arrived. 2011. Yeah. Like not very exciting. No, it's pretty. For me, it was exciting. I feel like everything's exciting for him. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I come from a smaller town, uh -huh. so like when I got here, I was just like, "What? What? What?" Like I was just like, "I, I liked it," yeah. you know, like right from the get go. Yeah, you know? I did not. Mm -hmm. um, like from the moment I got here, I was like, "I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here." Yeah. Um, and like coming from like having traveled a lot of places, and like from like twelve to twenty being in Chicago, like you know, it's a bigger city. Yeah. I and so I was like determined to leave. And so I went from here to living in Austin. I came back from the motorcycle trip. I was back for just probably a month, less than that, maybe even like a week. Um, I don't remember exactly. And then like went to try to live in Austin for like a month. And um, like very quickly, I went um, to a yoga class. It was, I remember very distinctly, it was like, it was like a one thirty class or like a one or like a two class, two o'clock class in the middle of a weekday. And I remember going back to the place that I was staying and being stuck in traffic. And I was like, I'll never leave the house. If like, I can't take an afternoon yoga class without, you know, like, like I'll be miserable. Um, if I have, if like have to sit in traffic both ways, you know, if it's going to take me three hours to take a class. Um, and so, and then I got an offer, um, from Jane who owns two hearts yoga studio where I manage still, um, to manage the studio. So I actually came back to San Antonio to accept um, that job offer to manage the studio cool. and, and started I, teaching like right away. Yeah. And would you say you were happier now? Like, so I had yeah. like a month, like I had like probably grieved for like a month for yeah. like this idea of like, I said I was never coming back here. And then like, I don't know, I fell in love. Like I fell in love with the city and like originally it was just the people, like it was the community that, that I had built through yoga that I just loved, that just embraced me and loved me. Um, and um, I started to really put in roots. And then right around like 2013, 2014, 2015, like San Antonio just like yeah, blossomed. Yeah, up. Yeah. Like shit. I mean, I remember going, when I, when I first would visit, there was nothing at the Pearl yet. Mm -hmm. There's maybe like one restaurant totally. or something. I remember going there and getting like drunk and like sleeping on the little stadium there. You know, back when yeah. that wasn't a thing yeah. there. You know what I mean? Like there were there was there was like one or two restaurants totally. there. Now it's like this whole thing. Totally. Yeah. Like yeah. So um so San Antonio changed and um and when I moved back here I just started to really build community. I mean yeah, the friendships really that I had left. Thank that. you. The relationships that I had left had changed. I mean, I'd been gone for a year. So I kind of felt like I was starting from scratch in that respect, which was awesome. I was able to start teaching at new places and, and build um, new community and like really like come back. And I think part of what probably enables you to have that is that you care. 
Mm-hmm. So, so as a student and as a fellow like instructor, you know, even though we teach something different, I can tell the difference between when an instructor cares and when right. an instructor doesn't. When it's, you know, when you're there to service what that person needs mm-hmm. rather than to just tell them. Right. And you do a very good job of doing that. So Thank whenever you. I've taken your classes, I always feel like, man, she cares so much. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she goes out of her way to tell you this and, and things like that. And that really makes a big difference. And so, you know, I would assume that that's probably part of the reason why you've been able to make connections so well. I feel like, you know, I think that ties into like, um, and this is kind of a big topic um, that I won't dive into too much, but the student teacher relationship. And so when you were coming to my classes, you were coming regularly, like twice a week. Yes, and yeah. that is when I'm best able to help somebody when they come to my class regularly, because I know what level they're working at. I know what they're capable of across a broad range of, um, movements. Um, and I'm also able to kind of see where are they holding back, what's tight in their body, like what's fear, like what are these places that we can start to confront together, move into that space of yes. fear, but with me by your side, so it's not so scary. Um, and then finding, trying to find that balance between, you know, um, between guiding them, letting them take flight, mm-hmm. holding their hand telling them to, you know, to fly on their own and that sort of thing. Which is an incredibly valuable skill for people in my uh, training set because for you all, you have to go through a 200 hour mm-hmm. you know, and more That's a, like mm-hmm. certification in ours. It's completely different. Like certs and stuff like that, you can get them a much different way and you never have to set foot in a gym or talk to anybody mm-hmm. and get a cert right. and start teaching people. So there's this real disconnect in our community where trainers sometimes don't know how to teach. And so, you know, if you're a trainer, and this is just like a, a side note to people who are watching this, if you're a trainer in my community space, like if you're a personal trainer or something like that, I strongly recommend that you take a class or you find another trainer so you can mm-hmm. learn how to teach and figure out what your training style is and what you like or what you dislike right. in a teacher. Absolutely. That's something that I think that yoga people get that should be in my community right. that isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really cool. So, all right. So you're doing this thing. You move back to here. Uh, you're moved teaching back to yoga. Here, fell, fell in love with San Antonio. Yeah. Definitely want to stay it's here. Awesome place. Yeah. And, um, and then just pretty much started, started teaching, um, yeah. pretty much like full time, um, for quite a while, not as much now, but I, I got really into acro yoga in yep. 2014, 2015. Um, and then just it's that community. It really struggles here in town. Um, and so it's a small, there's only a, so many people. Yeah. And when we don't, we, you know, we don't have, um, next level teachers to be able to teach our teachers how to teach. Yeah. So, you know, at some point there's kind of a plateau there. Um, but it's something that I loved and that was like my entrance into the circus world. So I was doing tell circus us about there. That. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Can we back Go up ahead. a little bit? Yeah. Can you tell our viewers at home what acro yoga is? Acro yoga is, um, essentially like gymnasts have been doing versions of acrobatics for a long time. Like the circus, like circus world and like acro yoga, like essentially they took a lot of yoga and like a lot of the acrobatic stuff that gymnasts have been doing for forever. Um, and kind of combine them in a, in not maybe not a, a lot of new unique ways have come out of it now that people have been playing with it for longer, like mm-hmm. people that have been in the community for a long time, but essentially if you imagine like a yoga pose and like putting it on someone's feet or yeah. on someone's hand, partnership yoga, totally yeah. partner yoga, like to, to take into the dangerous extremes, but also yeah. not dangerous. If you know, if you know what you're doing and you have a spot, Yeah, always have a spot unless you, and mats. It's great. It's yeah. so much fun. 
It's a lot of fun. I, I loved it. Like, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, I love it too. Yeah. And I also think, you know, I'm mean, not to digress and, and go too deep into, into acro, but you know, that like that playfulness that a lot of us, is, when we get really focused on our careers so and like what, how this is the way that things are yeah. supposed to be. Um, and also like just that play, like as adults, like we need a space for play. Yeah. Primates lot, we play, don't really, like, yeah. Like, and we don't, that. we don't create that space. Yeah, it gives you, it gives you this ability to be intimate with somebody without it needing to be something that's more than that. It's just that physical touch that sometimes people are missing when they're sitting totally. in a cubicle and working all day. And it gives you a little bit of permission. Yeah. You know, uh, I think like we have those, those, you know, the me too movement where guys really do need to be very conscientious about consent. Um, but also, I mean, just in general, like most workplaces are not conducive to any type of physical touch. It no. would be completely inappropriate. Um, but I think we kind of go through life like that. I mean, if it's not your primary partner, then you're not really engaging in a lot of physical touch. I mean, I have very few girlfriends, girls that are friends that are physically affectionate with me um, and vice versa. You know, I don't, the, I, I love, I mean, I love affection. So yeah, me too. I think and it gives, acro gives a, a space for that. It's so therapeutic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and also don't accept creepy touching in acro, but yeah. you know, totally whatever. No groping. No groping. <laughs> no acro groping. Don't get handsy. But totally, yeah. you know, just, just play, like bringing play back. Yeah. It's know? like when you're on the playground, yeah. when you're a kid, you're totally. running around, you're, you're, you're pushing, you're throwing mm -hmm. and stuff like that. It's totally. like re reigniting that. Actually. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So you get into the circus art. And yeah, so I get yeah. into Acro, and then one of the um, people, she's amazing. Her name is Jen Crane, and she's Cirque Physio now, and she like worked with the Olympians in China. She's a PT, and um, super freaking awesome. And she like moved off to like left San Antonio to all these amazing things. But she was doing trapeze with um, Mark Stewart, who also used to live here in town, who's also doing amazing things now. Um, he is. He's amazing, yeah. and um, which has been cool to watch their growth for me. Like I saw Mark before he could do a one arm, and now he's doing like one arm handstand presses with his handstand coach in San Diego. And, like performing nice. I mean he's amazing anyway um so they were doing duo trapeze and like they were so amazing to invite me like they um kind of took me under their wings a little bit and I started to learn and I fell just in love with trapeze I still love trapeze love trapeze and um really wanted to do a trapeze and I just couldn't find a base so for a while Rachel my friend Rachel who we both know um was my base um and then we just kind of kept hitting um ceilings of like what we could do so i ended up doing solo trapeze for pretty seriously for quite a while and then several things have kind of led to me not focusing on that um but just can, can absolute you explain love. to them what you mean by base because this is actually yeah, not a concept totally. that I'm, I'm i mean i know what a base is when you're an acro right i'm yeah, assuming right. So an acro, the base is like the person that's supporting the flyer so the base either is like you're either on the base's feet or on the base's hands um and then in trapeze, if you think of like in a big top circus tent, you, like you think of the girl like being caught by the guy who's hanging upside down on the trapeze, yep. like maybe between two guys or something like yeah. that, that's all duo trapeze. So they would be the base that's catching the flyer, which generally it's guys with girls. Um, and then there's duo trapeze r routines where guys and girls just do really, mm -hmm. really cool things. And they flip, you know, the girl will flip and the guy will catch her by her feet. And, you know, it's just, it's amazing. But it's very painful to be a base because you have the metal bar like digging into your, um, into your thighs. 
So you're, because you're hanging on Because you're hanging, yeah. You're hanging in something called the catcher's lock. And so the steel bar of the trapeze is like right across your thighs. And then you've got not only your weight of you just hanging there, but then you've got the weight of whoever your flyer is. And I'm actually, you know, I'm not um, a great flyer's body. Like I'm not a big person by any means, but like really like four foot people. I mean, girls are make awesome flyers because they're so small. They're easy to... And they're lightweight. So um, so that makes it more difficult to find a base also. You have to find a base who's, who's bigger. Bi- yeah, who's bigger. Yeah, to take a, a flyer who's bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a tough life for you're doing, okay, so anyone you're doing over the circus five feet thing. in the flying world. <laughs> you're doing the circus thing. And right now that's not something that's a big part of your... Yeah, so I mean, I was doing it and um, just a couple things. My teacher, my I had an amazing teacher at Errol Horizons, um, which is a circus center here in town. They just built a custom place. I don't work for them, but they're amazing. If you want to do circus, I'll go check it out. Put them in the um, link. Julia owns it and she's fantastic. Um, but Teddy was my teacher and she left for bigger, better things. So, um, I was no longer studying with her. And then I was rigging at a gym, um, here in town and they changed, um, their rigging points. So I was, um, there's two types of trip. Um, there's a lot of different types of trapeze. Um, but one is single point. So the two ropes of the trapeze go up to a single point. There's single point with a swivel, which is like you rotate, um, which most single point is usually rotates. Um, and then there's do- a double point. So each rope goes up to a separate point. And um, what happens when you're on a single point is the ropes come together. So the tricks that you're able to do become different. And then if you add in a swivel, that's something else. And I liked stagnant um, double rigged trapeze or do- double point. Um, and so I was no longer able to rig like that. That uh, sucks. Yeah. So that was a big part. Like I would train several times a week. It was a big part of my routine. I remember when, and, when yeah. I first met you, you were doing yeah, all like religiously. I see and Rachel. Uh huh. Yeah, all the time. And um, and I was even still doing it on the single point, but I could only do a lot of the conditioning stuff until I was in class and had yeah. the double point again. Um, and so it's just really f- hard to find a place where you can rig and not pay like an open gym fee i can't af- you know i couldn't afford to pay a 20 dollar open gym fee three times a week yeah to train trapeze um and you need high ceilings and preferably mats preferably mats underneath of you yeah so it's just you know there's not a lot of spaces that are Mm-mm. that are conducive to mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that makes perfect so sense. that kind of and also just really needing a really being into hand balancing um and needing to spend more time focusing on that and also on yoga i mean at some point you can only split your attention in so many directions yeah, because so. then it's like you can either be a jack of all trades, or mm-hmm. like, you know, or you can be really good at yeah, one thing. Yeah, yeah. and I, I always think that cross training. You, I've learned so much from cross training, um, and it's good for your musculature also to do some cross training. Mentally. I mean, the trapeze is pulling versus a lot of yoga and hand balancing, which is pushing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's healthy for your, you know, for your shoulders to have that type of versatile strength. But at some point, like you have to kind of really zero in on what you're most passionate about and put your attention there. So what are you doing now? What's your yoga practice? Cause like, okay, I read somewhere that you were, you were focusing on Ashtanga. Is that true? Yeah. So I've done a lot of 180s. So I started off doing Anasara yoga, which is an alignment, very yeah. like heart opening, mm-hmm. um, type of style of yoga who which is what Jane teaches although she does teach Amashraya now which is similar to um, Anasar in a lot of ways so it's a lot of just like oh like feel the beauty of like the divine within you and like just this opening stuff um, and then 
Um, but you know, so, um, partly the reason that I started doing Ashtanga, mm-hmm. which is like a very, would be considered like a little bit more of a rigid style. Um, it's a set sequence, although there are multiple set sequences. So you make your way through one sequence successfully mm-hmm. and your teacher gives you permission to start mm-hmm. to begin on the next mm-hmm. sequence. Um, for those of you that don't have that context, but, um, once I started doing hand balancing more seriously and the circus arts, as I got stronger here in San Antonio, it's, it's hard to find a teacher who is, um, working at more advanced levels with the physical practice of yoga. Um, and so, um, I started to gravitate to Ashtanga because those were the strongest yogis that I knew. And so I was very attracted to their strength and to the dedication of their practice. And here in San Antonio in particular, um, a lot of people could kind of take or leave their yoga practice, um, and their physical practice in general. It's, I'm sure, you know, as a trainer, like it's very hard to get people and partly San Antonio is such a family town. So people have a lot of family obligations to get in the way. Um, and as always, people, we just have a lot on our plates, like the modern person. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate um, you being so considerate like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. About, about, yeah. But you were saying you do. I mean, and so and that's why sometimes just people showing up to class is like, I'm just proud of you because it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. People have a lot on their plate, um, which is why people can always show up late to my class within reason. I mean, life is hard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't be stressing about getting to yoga on time. Like just show up and come in when you can Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, we have that same policy. Yeah. Yeah. We have people who show up 15 minutes late. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, we got to get the best you can do. I mean, yeah. As long as you're doing your best, you know, that's all all I ask. So, um, your original question was, Oh, Ashtanga. So yeah. So I started doing pretty much primarily Ashtanga for quite a while. Um, which has been really interesting because it's given me some really unique perspectives, um, on studying different styles of yoga really intensively. Mm -hmm. Um, and then have now kind of backed away a little bit from Ashtanga now. Um, not for any particular reason. I just, uh, my life started pushing me really hard, um, and requiring a lot of strength for me. And so I needed my practice emotionally. So I needed my practice to not be requiring those things for me. And, um, and I think the best way that you can have a practice that's going to last a lifetime is to have a practice that's versatile. Um, and so partly you just have to figure, like find that balance or like knowing when you need a different kind of medicine so Mm -hmm. like you know i always say like training is a form of medicine like when you work out when you dance when you Mm -hmm. do acro yoga like all those different things ignite um different you know serotonin dopamine different chemicals in your body using your body in different ways makes you feel differently like for me like a long time like my medicine was running Mm -hmm. you know that like that piece that you get and then like it became something else you know it's like knowing when you need something different Mm -hmm. to mirror what's going on in your life totally you know maybe you're a mom who's really really busy and you don't have the time to go work out and you know do an hour class maybe your medicine needs to be a 15 minute workout Mm -hmm. you know in your house you know it's like making sure so so it's awesome that you had the insight to realize that you needed to do something different to kind of get you ready yeah yeah so and and then everything in life is secular uh it's uh cyclical Mm -hmm. and so i'm coming back to to more of a place of strength and it looks a little bit different um now for me than it did before um but my passion continues to be um the like the practice of more advanced poses and and a lot of hand balancing which i just fascinates me yeah fascinates me yeah it's, it's a labor of love. it's definitely something i want I, I just i can't do it all at once yeah like i can't yeah. you know but it's definitely something that i personally want it's not doable right now yeah well and hand standing it's it's like it's a thing of its own 
you know yeah. so handstanding is like a practice yes it of is. its own so it you know if you're doing yoga practice it can involve handstands but to be really good at handstands yeah. you have to be doing you know drills and, and conditioning on the side that's going to make it you know, accessible. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that two minutes where your teacher lets you kind of like play with it. Mm-hmm. Isn't, isn't it's enough. not, you're yeah. not going to get anywhere in any, which is, you know, um, but I also think it's important to have that opportunity. To play. Yeah. So you yeah. can find something that you yeah. want to work on. Yeah. So yeah. that's important for me in my classes to give students that space. Of course. And that's yeah. one thing I always loved is mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, I get to practice my little trick. Totally. Yeah. I still yeah. practice tricks. Like, so when I took your, uh, workshop, mm-hmm. I t- have I taken one or two workshops? You came you? to, I think Crow, I think side Crow, right? Or I, yeah, you I, came to, crow, yeah, I did, or I did, uh-huh. I did, something. I did two. I, yeah, I came did for Crow because Crow was, was broken up into three. Right. So I came to two of them. Yeah. And I, I got a lot out of that. Yeah. I still do that. Like yeah. I, still, I still do that in my workouts actually yeah. when I'm doing like core work and stuff like that. Um, so that, that made a big difference. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, okay. So now we, what are you doing right at this moment in terms of teaching? Mm. Where can people find you? People can find me. Um, so first of all, you don't have to memorize this. I have a website, lanareed.com, L A N A read r-e-e-d i will post com. a link in the description cool um lanareed.com you scroll down it's getting redesigned right now but it's still active um and it has my class schedule i'm mostly at alamo city yoga which is right by the big yep. it's right in the heart of alamo heights it's a beautiful space um i do teach a i didn't know you were up the street from here mm-hmm. huh. yeah i'll have to swim yeah, by yeah it's beautiful space yeah. um and the owner is amazing her name is ashley um and she is such like one of those people that you just want to be around because her energy is just beautiful, beautiful. Um, and just so incredibly, um, passionate, like about her space and about people. Um, and that's really special. So I've walked into that space and I was like, I love it here. Um, so I teach a lot of my classes, um, Saturday, Sundays there, and then Tuesdays. Um, and then I'm at Hamsa, which is another beautiful space owned by Courtney Miller and Debbie Anderson. And they are fantastic teachers, fantastic people, quality, quality people. Um, and they are doing really amazing, amazing types of body therapy and breath work and like are just incredible people. Um, I have one class Tuesdays at noon there. And then I teach an ass kicker um, happy hour class that's by donation on Friday nights at Two Hearts Yoga Studio. Yeah. So the, I t- I'm at those three studios. Yeah. Um, and then you can just see my class schedule on my Instagram, which is Lena Reed, Sparkly Unicorn. Also in the description section. <laughs> yeah. um, and then my Facebook is like Lena Reed. Um, my photography page is Wild Thing Photo. Um, and you can find that um, just through my regular Instagram page um, or through my regular Facebook page. Um, and um, I'm also super excited. I'm doing a teacher training in the Tell fall. Tell us more. <sighs> what can I tell you? One, I'm bringing my teachers from Austin. So Giaconda Parker and Shanti Kelly um, are partnering with me and they have taught me um, not just so much about yoga, like about the physical practice of yoga, but you know, um, Shanti is a, is also has her master's in spiritual psychology. So like the deeper work that we were talking about, like they have done it, um, and they can guide you through it. And, um, and like I did my 300 hour advanced training with them and they just like changed my life, like changed my life. And, um, and, and I'm so incredibly, 
blessed that they that they wanted to be a part of um, of the teacher training. So they're coming down, and then I'm bringing just a ton of my teachers. Jane Goldstein, who owns Two Hearts, is going to do part of the teacher training with me. Um, my teacher. Alejandro Alex Reyes from Yoga Shala is going to come um, and do um, some of the hand balancing parts I've with seen, me and some I've of the assisting stuff and um, the adjustment part. And um, I just have like incredible, incredible teachers. You can read all of their bios. If you go to alamocityyoga.com and you click on the teacher training page, you can read the bios of all the teachers that are going to be participating. Um, and then if you have any questions at all spe- that come up specifically, um, feel free to to reach out to me. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. I'm going to post links to all this stuff yes. so that any of my followers, if they want, Yay. they can find you and find your teacher training. Yay. So we're getting close to the end yes. of our interview. I'm going to go ahead and ask you a few oh, no, quick I'm questions. I'm yeah, nervous. I know. Okay. You should be. Okay, all right. Uh, hardest yoga position for you? <laughs> oh, man. Um, double leg behind the head. It's oh, called um, yeah. Dvipada Shoshasana. That's and um, it's because you have to start with the left leg. So my right leg can go behind my head for days, like no problem. Okay. But my left leg, I'm very imbalanced on my sides. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so you have to start with your left leg. Mm. And then you have to balance. So you're supposed to bind, bring your left leg behind your head and then bind your right leg behind your head and then balance with your hands at your heart. And it's really pesky. But it's also one of my favorites because it's awesome, but it's hard. It sounds hard. Yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> Especially for me, you know, my hamstrings. Like <laughs> I remember. So yeah, 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 I can't. No, yeah. that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Also, I mean, there's, of course, other things, but that one in yeah, particular. Yeah, that's awesome. Because it's, it's so mental, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Especially that deep hip opening. You're just like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So coffee or tea? Definitely tea. Okay. I right. never, I don't like coffee. I like the smell. <sighs> Usually. But I me. hate the taste of coffee. I hate, I've never drank coffee. And in fact, I rarely drink tea these days, mm. although I love it. I love it. But it stains my teeth. What kind of tea? Um, organic fair trade. Very okay. important. Um, and then I really like chais. Okay. Chai really is great like with milk. Yeah. But you know my ultimate? What? You want to know? Tell me. Hot chocolate. With marshmallows? Almond milk. With almond milk? Mm-hmm. You throw marshmallows in there? No. Whipped cream? Um, no. No? I avoid dairy in general. Okay, okay. Yeah, other than butter. Well, they even call that stuff vegan, too. Yeah. <laughs> vegan marshmallows. Yeah, they do. They, they don't sound delicious. They, that is so delicious to me. It doesn't? They're not. No, but hot chocolate is like my jam. Yeah. Like for days, for breakfast, lunch, dinner, hot chocolate. What brand? Gosh, you know, I, there's like this silly cow farms that does like a gluten-free okay. hot chocolate that they uh-huh. sell at Whole Foods around Christmas time. I really like it. Maybe they can sponsor you. <laughs> sponsor me. <laughs> oh, yeah. And also, like, uh, I'm going to ask you a dumb, easy question. What's your favorite holiday, Lena? <laughs> <gasps> Christmas! There we go. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone that knows me no. would know the answer no. to that question. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. In fact... Um, I, oh man, I wish I knew how many days it was till Christmas right now. I don't know, but I do know that it's very close to Christmas in July. <laughs> oh yeah. You always celebrate. You always, always. have a party. Yeah. Always year, Christmas in July. Yeah. That's exciting. Christmas never stops. Let's see. Okay. What is your, do you have another form of exercise that you like to do outside of that you enjoy doing outside of yoga? 
Um, well, yeah, I mean, hand balancing, which is separate from yoga. I do that a lot. Um, and I'm very, actually, I'm very interested in, although I guess, I don't know that I would say that I really enjoy, but I do enjoy, um, strength training. I think more than flexibility, we need strength in general as people for our lives. Um, so strength training is really important. I don't do any of this crazy stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. but leg lifts and that type of thing. Um, and then I actually really enjoy, I hated it originally, the elliptical, um, but I actually enjoy, um, the elliptical. Yeah. You enjoy doing some cardio mm-hmm. on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have a love hate relationship with bar, like Pilates bar, ballet bar. It's really hard. Yeah. It looks hard. It's real hard. It's like dance meets like yoga. Yeah. It's kinda. like a lot of like hip flexor, just like leg length. Yeah. Like, it's intense. Yes. Yeah. It's very intense. Yeah. I've, I've seen it. I've never taken it, but it freaks yeah. me out. <laughs> yeah. I was going pretty religiously to the Y there for That's a awesome. hot minute. And then my teacher left. Okay, do you have, you don't strike me as being much of a TV person. I don't have a TV. You don't have, do you watch no. anything? Do you watch anything on the laptop? I have some, well, I watch Netflix. I'm okay, totally yeah, yeah. like a movie junkie. Okay. And I am a photographer, which we haven't really touched on at all. I do yoga photography. So when I'm editing that, um, I'm always binge watching. Like I just binge watched the new season of um, How to Get Away with Murder. Okay. Scandal, fantastic. Um, what else do I really love? Like this really stupid show, Santa Clarita Diet. Every woman it's that so I've had good. on this it's so bad. podcast it's so has good. brought that show up. It's so bad. It's so bad. But it's like, it's really nice Drew Barrymore, I don't have to right? pay that much attention to yeah, it yeah. also at the same time because yeah. I'm editing. So it kind of can be there and entertain me without taking all of my attention. Yeah. Of course, Game of Thrones. Like yeah. if you're not a Game of Thrones pers- like fan, I'm suspicious of you. Seen, I've only seen three episodes. I'm suspicious of you. Yeah. But at least you've seen th- like seen three. I've seen three. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I read the books when I was on my motorcycle trip, actually. Nice. Which I like to qualify. I was a Game of Thrones fan before Game of Thrones she ever came out on legit. TV. Can that be? Can that be in the notes somewhere? Uh, I'll put it in the notes. The original the fan section. of GOT. She actually bought the first copy of it. I, I yeah, bought the first copy. J.R. Martin. What's his yes. name? Martin something. What's the guy's name? I'm supposed to be a super fan, and I don't know. Oh, no. It is something Martin. G.R. <laughs> G.R. Martin. Are we thinking of J.R. Tolkien? Uh, no, that's the other guy. <laughs> he wrote Lord of the Rings. Like, I think it's... George Martin? I don't I know. I can see it. I can, I, I can see it, too. And I know what he looks like. Yeah. But I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I'm terrible with names off the top of my uh, head. It's okay. Like the worst. Like, it will come to me probably in my sleep. I'm going to sit straight up out of bed. Like, I have risen you're from the text dead. Me when you remember. <laughs> I'm not going to Google it. I think I'm gonna it's J.R. Martin. I think it's, it's Martin something. J.R. Martin. J.R. G.R. Martin. G. That's what I'm trying to say. G with a G. Did yeah. I say J with a J? Yeah, yeah. We like both your name. J. Yeah, I meant, I was thinking G and I was saying You J. know what? It's okay. Yeah. All right, she was original though. She bought your first book if you want to sponsor her. Like, <laughs> yeah, it'd yeah, be crazy if they made you like yoga mats and like you just he's so badass. Hawthor Bjornson from he's on that show. He's deadlifted one nine hundred pounds or something like and that. Is he the mountain? A thousand, I think so. He's suppo- I, I've never seen Game of Thrones crazy. really. Okay. He's this really crazy tall guy. I think that's probably the mountain. Yeah, he yeah. blew up earlier this year. He's I feel a strong like he man. could like yeah. He's strong as shit. Um, That's okay. probably why they call him the strong man. Yeah. He's right now the strongest man in the world. Holy like, shit. Right now. For strong man training. Okay. He won that, but that that changes every year. Um, okay. So uh, the next question, we've only got like a few seconds left, is favorite meal to eat? If you Ooh. had like a last meal, what would it be? A last meal? Yeah. Last meal. <sighs> Um, sweet Everything. potatoes. Everything. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, gosh, you could have sweet potatoes That's really hard. I know. You're on death row. Ice cream. I, no. 
Okay. Food, food. Mango sticky rice. Okay, okay, with what? I really like desserts. Um, you, you mango sticky rice. Okay, like, sticky cinnamon? rice and mangoes. I've never had that. Go to Tidy off of Blanco and have it. <sighs> okay, Tidy is dope. That's That was my next question is, what's your favorite restaurant yeah, in town? Yeah, Tidy. Tidy? Oh, Tidy is so good. That This is Mango the third time really? on this podcast that Tidy has came up. Uh, Santa Clara Diet and Tidy have been mentioned more than anything. Yeah, it's that Thai place is legit. Okay. It's really good. Yeah, it is. I'm going to put you guys down in the description section. <laughs> tidy. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Lena. Well, I think uh, I think we're done here. Lena, could we have you back for a part two at some point? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to see where you're at. I'm at your disposal. Awesome. <laughs> of course. All right. So, people, I will post all the information that you need to find Lena online. Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me at TotalBodyTraining.com, TotalBodyTraining on Instagram, and TotalBodyTraining on Facebook. Do you want to say yours again? Yeah, Lena. Lena Reed. It can also be Lana. Some people use Lana, yeah, and that's to totally fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's LenaReed.com. Super easy. Um, Lena Reed, Sparkly Unicorn on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Lena Reed on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. All right, people. Until next time. Bye, you guys. Peace.